Hello everybody, welcome to Psych Talk, episode 720, recording today live on Wednesday the 20th of July. There's a sort of numerical kind of link up there. Didn't have a number for 720, couldn't think of a model of anything. Maybe uh, somebody in the chat room who are there. Uh, there we are, we've got our YouTube chats, we've got our uh, Discord chats. Uh, oh, that's IRC chat, and then we've got Discord, which has kind of got a, a link, links them all together. Uh, this is Music Technology Podcast, welcome. Uh, it's episode 700. And uh, today we'll be talking mostly about music technology, synthesizers, drum machines, software, the industry, anything that kind of fits the bill. There's uh, an eclectic mix of topics. So uh, we do uh, hope you enjoy, sit back and uh, enjoy the next hour or so. Probably going to be, uh, yeah, around an hour. We also have um, a couple of sponsors, uh, is in the form of Baby Audio. Do check out their stuff if you go to baby, babyaudio.com, ST15. We'll get you 15% of everything. And also we have isotope and uh, if you go to isotope.com forward slash sonic talk and use the code sonic 10 you can get 10 percent off that includes the sales as well so well worth checking anyway welcome to our chatties irc discord i've already said that i'm a bit nervous because we've got a new guest here and our new guest is in the form of mr carl asmussen who is there uh, he's from office hours global those of you may have seen a couple of my appearances there uh it's a sort of well, you, I'll let you describe it because you've probably got a one-liner for it. So essentially, we're an online community that takes live questions every day at 7 a.m. Pacific time in the uh, U.S. So that's, that's, right. that's happening about pretty much anything media and technology. That's right. And they're, they're really, it's a lot of a big cloud production. And this is actually also a cloud production. I've spoken about this at great length. I probably won't. But that's why I feel like I might be getting marked on my homework today. So I want all the technology to go well. Anyway, Carl, uh, you're based in Adelaide uh, in Australia, so it's a lot. Uh, you're you're right. up late, Welcome to tomorrow. Welcome, Welcome to, to tomorrow. tomorrow. Wow, well, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but you're into synths as well as video and photography and all cool That's right, yeah. Right? So a, a very expensive major hobby of mine is synths, as you can see, just hanging over my shoulder. Um, but, yeah, and, and, like, I've got many other synths as well that are hanging out in, in Eurorack and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, synths is actually a, a very big hobby I do. My profession is more in media and photography and video. But um, music and synths is actually what I started to do. Both my brothers were in bands, so I, I have music in me from that. And uh, I myself learned guitar and piano in high school, of course, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, synths have become my focus as far as music for the last 10, 20 years, I guess. Nice. Uh, and, of course, I can't let you get away without uh, saying what is that behind you. Because you, being a photographer, obviously, you've got fantastic depth of field on your, uh, on your shot, but we can't quite see what those synths are. So we'll go from top to bottom. So top to bottom is uh, the top is uh, the Behringer Monopoly. Then coming down, we've got the DeepMind 12, and then we've got the Summit from Novation, um, which is one of my favourites. And then underneath that at the bottom is the uh, Jupiter X from Roland. Fantastic. So you've basically got all the new stuff, really, of the new old stuff. Uh, De I'm curious, what so, do yeah. you make of the DeepMind? Well, well DeepMind 12 is probably the only original, but yeah. Yeah, what do you make of it? The DeepMind 12 is it's an amazing first price. So, you know, for around a thousand US, a thousand, whatever you want to spend, um, you're getting quite a heavy since I've got the desktop version as well. So you can look, link them together and you get a oh. DeepMind 24. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, what, what else it also gives is essentially it's fully analog, of course, inside engine. But what it also gives you is the ability to, to store patches, to share patches, to create some very complex patches. You know, it has a matrix, an eight port matrix in it. So um, as far as the Summit, the Summit's probably my. My favorite from all the synths that I probably have, it's, you know, it's the Chris Huggett design, of course. Um, the oscillators being FPGA, so digital inspired, but they kind of spit out an analog signal into an analog filter, analog gain staging. 
and then you can either go through the uh, FPGA effects or just pump it out analog, of course. I would love to see uh, uh, an analog input to the uh, DeepMind 12, so we could act because the effects algorithms are astonishing. That's something the Summit has, of course. Yeah, yeah. So the Summit has that. You can actually pump in a second signal just for the um, effects chain and have them process separately. That would be a DIY circuit I think I would probably approve of. <laughs> I'd, lo I'd love to try that. Anyway, lovely to have yeah. you, Carl. Uh, that chuckle you Thank heard you. there is, of course, the return of Mr. Paulie Alex Bow. How are you? Nice to see you. I'm, I'm not melting as much as yesterday, Nick. I've got to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, yesterday the, um, was a nightmare, wasn't it? Absolutely horrific. Yeah, someone posted a meme because obviously I'm a bit of a goth. If you find a, a goth outside, please take them indoors and feed them water. It was like, you know, public <laughs> health safety advice. But yeah. Like pets in cars. Actually. Yeah. Is there actually a, there, yeah, there a law exactly. in California where you, you can actually, you're allowed to break into a car if you see a pet inside it uh, when the temperature's really? above a certain amount that you get a kind of, there's a dispensation that allows you to do that. <laughs> So it's just that it could be the same for goths, you know, see them in a car. Maybe so. Struggling. <laughs> anyway, maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, actually, um, but while we've got you, Paulie, because um, you've got a new channel uh, trailer out today, right? I do. So I've been, um, I've been kind of lost in reverb for the past few days because my first episode on my new YouTube channel in production is going to be all about reverbs and... Um, uh, you prompted it actually, our discussion kind of last week, you know, about impulse response, it, no, two weeks ago, impulse responses and interesting reverbs. So I'm going to do a whole episode on that. But yeah, um, the channel trailer dropped today. It's very sort of 80s. I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. I think we have to listen to but it because I thought it, it made me laugh. I thought it was brilliant. Here we go. Let's have a listen. I have to say, I think that's awesome. It's got a little bit of everything in it there. I think there's a kind of, there's some prog, there's some chip tunes. There's a bit of Queen yeah. in there, I thought. I just, yeah, you got it all in, didn't you? It's transported there's a little bit of, um, <laughs> what did you say, sorry? 1988. It felt like I was watching yeah. 1988 watching that. <laughs> there's a little bit of, um, I don't know if you've ever played any Sega arcade games, very bombastic soundtracks, but there's one called um, Daytona USA. And I've totally kind of uh, channeled that as well. So it's a very sort of, there's kind of a Japanese, European e-prog kind of thing. Um, I was, so, yeah, I was not my usual where, style, but it was fun. Where's the link for the channel? That's what I want to know. What's it called? Is it? It's called what, Magical Synth Adventure. Oh, wow. I should, I should have paid attention, but I, I was trying to look it up. <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes. I mean, I, I did, did try and sing get it. it about five or six <laughs> times during the... Maybe, maybe about that. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. 
Um, anyway, th th I'm glad to hear that that is. Oh, I did want to plug one thing because we have uh, from um, Jim, our Patreon, um, uh, uh, linked in with our Patreon. And basically Jim uh, Hayward, who does a lot of our Sounds Only demos, posted uh, a, a really nice video of uh, the Roland Cloud Jupiter 4 stuff. Let me just hit that. Very Blade Runner, obviously. And you can get these patches on our Patreon if you choose to. one Jim uh, the, the aspect ratio is a bit on that because that was the square one I did for Instagram but if you do get a chance do check those out um have you yeah, tried the cloud stuff have you yeah it's nice isn't it? have you tried the cloud stuff Carl yeah definitely have so I own all the boutiques but I also own Roland Cloud so um the Roland Cloud stuff is interesting as far as like um that's my system eight is in the Roland Cloud so I don't own hardware oh. system eight um, it's just not have it, it's one that I probably wouldn't mind to get to be quite honest because it is a very different kind of oscillator, different kind of sound engine than anything else. But I do have the uh, the plug in, the, well, technically the plug out version, but yeah, the plug in version. Um, and then a lot of the other Roland Cloud stuff I have because I have the Jupiter X, so there's a lot of other stuff I can transport between Roland Cloud and Jupiter X, of course. I've Beautiful. said it before, but uh, I think the System 8 is the sweet spot with the ACB um technology, and it's a great synth in its own right. Um, but yeah. I've been I've been threatening to publish that video for ages, but it just you know the queue built up, and then then we got into uh, sure. the UK office being 30, 32 degrees for the last three days, so I didn't get a chance to. Um, but yeah, um, okay. Well, let's let's get on to a bit of news, shall we? Let's see. We've got a couple of patches here. Uh, oh yeah, this is going to be some fun. Let's try this. One. Right now we're at this museum's not obsolete. Cuckoo and Highback have come over to Ramsgate to meet up. We've already announced the gig in Barcelona this summer, but this is going to be the first time that we're actually going to play together. I'm used to doing this kind of stuff on my own, like electronic music and making videos, but this will be the first time I'm going to do it as a band. Oh, it's a great uh, intro video. And it ha I mean, I realise this, this, this came out before the effect. Uh, before the uh, the gig, which was uh, I think June the sixteenth, a month ago, yeah, month ago, and uh, cool. obviously um, it was the idea of this was really there was a couple of things which I really obviously uh, uh, um, Sam Battle gets a lot of airtime in that, but this was sort of it's almost put together it was put together by Patreon as a sort of I like to think of it as like a Simon Cowell uh, Patreon sort of inspired. Um, super synth nerd super group. So we've got Heimbach, we've got Little, <laughs> No Computer, and we've got Cuckoo. And um, first of all, I mean, I don't think there's anything live, but there was actually uh, a link that Cuckoo posted yesterday or the day before, which was like a, a, yes. a, a kind of the, the rehearsal. rehearsal. They're called Uncompressed. And it just, I mean, for a start, it's a kind of scary prospect. Booking the gig and then, and then getting together to rehearse for the first time. You ever done that sort of uh, musical adventure? 
No. So I don't think I don't think I've ever gone that far as as far as like booking a gig and then oh let's meet up and we meet up on the, the south of England and on the beach and say how you doing and then start to actually do some rehearsals. No. So, but I follow all three of these independently before the gig was announced. Of course, so I actually do know the YouTube quite well, and yeah. I thought this is a very interesting trio to be honest. Um, very interesting musically as well because they all have very different kind of musical backgrounds coming into this as well, and it shows in that third rehearsal where they all fit and how they actually do gel quite well together as well in that third rehearsal. Yeah, I mean, Cuckoo definitely gets the, the lead role. Well, he's got the piano, which is a hard a yeah. hard instrument to kind of ignore yeah. in that situation. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Uh, yeah. Fun, there was a few questions. Sorry. He's got most of the kind of harmonic kind of stuff going on, hasn't he? And then the other two are kind of more textural on that. Yeah, so no, it's interesting, mate. Yeah, Sam's putting down the beat. Sam's sending out, I'm pretty sure Sam's sending out some triggers so people can sync up if they need to, but they're pretty not. So, because I noticed people are plugging in their triggers and not. So, Cuckoo was plugging triggers. And then Hindback is doing this kind of amazing kind of drone work in the background. Yes. It just lays essentially because you, you think of it like a, a band, you've got a drummer, a bass player, and maybe a lead guitarist and singer. And Cuckoo was pretty much a lead guitarist and singer in that scenario. But yeah. the the drone that was coming from Hindback was quite amazing. It's adding this mm. amazing texture. That was it. it, was, it, it sort of it, it had that almost kind of like vocal face shifting weird. It was really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Re really good. I mean, if they Absolutely. do need an actual guitarist, I'm I'm available. <laughs> Excellent. Well, well, I will bear that in mind. But this this led on to another question, which I thought would be a bit of fun, maybe something to open up with, which is, you know, what who would be in your super group and uh, and what would they play? And that you may be in it as well. Obviously, it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, people that you that you just want to uh, see together. You could be, you know, people that you want to play with. I, and you, um, Paulie, you said you've done a little bit of, uh, of of thinking about this, so I'll let you go first. So Carl has I've, some more time. I've got to think a couple about. of ideas. Because supergroup-wise, I was um, I was watching Gaz and Steve's modular set the other week, and I was mm. thinking, oh, I could just I could just turn up and patch my guitar in there. But anyway, aside from that, that might happen one day. Anyway, <laughs> um, there's um, my first one was a more conventional band, and I had these ideas. I had dual lead vocalists, and on my lead vocals, I had Alison Goldfrapp. Oh. And I had Seal, because I really, really love Seal um, and his music so much. So I've got, you can't see it because of my haircut at the moment, but I've actually got the um, the notes to Kiss from a Rose um, uh -huh. behind my ear, tattooed on my head. That's so dedication. that's quite devoted. Um, and then the rest of the band was Stephen Wilson from Porcupine Tree on guitar because I really like his stuff, and he's very sound designing. Martin Gore on keys. Then I was going to keep it local to Birmingham for the last two. Giza Butler from Black Sabbath on bass. Oh, and Roger oh. Taylor from Duran Duran on drums. And me on whatever. I'll, I'll play kazoo in that lineup or whatever. So that was my sort of more conventional band lineup. I thought that would be quite... In I don't know what we'd be called, but... It'd be interesting. Good shout. The maybe, second, maybe the chat room wait. could come up with an idea for that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Goldfrapp, Seal, Steve Wilson, Martin Gore, Giza Butler, Roger Taylor, and me on whatever. And then the other one was an industrial project. I'd like to get me, Trent Reznor, and Jurgen Engler, who I know quite well, in a room. And we'd have a limitation on that project 
we would only be allowed to use late 90s roll and groove boxes. <laughs> Just an artificial wow. limit, like M- MC505s or MC307s. And we wouldn't be allowed to use anything else for the sounds in the project. And I think that would be quite interesting. That's an interesting technical limitation. I like the uh, creative limitations, as we know, are always uh, very well yeah. received uh, and, and thought of in the, uh, amongst, amongst our circles. Wow, uh, nice, so, nice work there. Ca- um, Carl, have you, got, uh, have you got any thoughts about who you would like to see in a supergroup there? I would, I would probably stick with the YouTubers. I'd, I would want another YouTube supergroup to go up against these guys so you can have a double bill. And mine would be Alex Ball. Alex right, Ball would be, yeah. he would be up there. And then I'd probably pick Junkie XL, so Tom himself. So, yeah. and that, that would probably be really important to get someone like Tom who's also experimental like, so this would be essentially another experimental like we have with, with Hindback in essence. Yes. Um, and then I, my third would probably be someone from the classical world. Um, so there's a lot of uh, classically trained pianists out there that are actually doing a lot of stuff with synths. They actually lay the synths on top of the piano <laughs> and two, mm. two hands, one on synth, and essentially they've got a drone or something going. There's a handful of these. There's a few from Australia and there's a few from the UK. Um, so, but I, I think I would want like a vocalist in there as well. So someone who does not necessarily singing, but uses their voice as an instrument um, and through, you know, Ooh. through effects or through natural stuff or through um, a plate reverb, that kind of stuff as well. So that'd be my choice. I think that uh, Wagyu came up with a, uh, a name which was Cattle Prod Lightning Rod, which I kind of, you know, I don't know if that was what he was saying. It didn't, there was no prefix. I really should get round to the kind of saying it prefix any suggestions with something and then I can check them out. Nice, thought, nice thoughts, Carl. Um, I'm, I had to think about this and I, I would like to see, um, I think I would like to see, uh, um, oh, now, um, Alessandro uh, Cortini. Uh, yes. And uh, Will Gregory. So there's the golf rap, uh, the golf rap connection there, and possibly Adrian yeah. Utley together in a group. That would be really interesting. Ooh. Adrian Utley pulled his head and other. Th- uh, and for I don't know if it needs drums or not. I'm not sure yet. I guess Alessandro could handle that. But there would be. So I, yeah. I actually always thought that uh, Alessandro working with golf rap would be a really interesting combination. Um, because Definitely. He's got some. He's got some really interesting pop chops. As, as they do too. And obviously they make these, uh, I suppose that would be more of a recording project than a live studio project. Although Will, mm. a lot of people don't know this, but Will Gregory is actually a fully paid up trained saxophonist. He studied jazz at Berkeley in the, uh, and, he, and he played saxophone on all those classic Tears for Fears records. He was also part That's of so cool. uh, uh, the London, uh, the, uh, I think, saxophonic. He was in the Steve Nye band as a, as a, as a, saxo- a saxophone yeah. player. He's a really skilled musician. So wow. uh, be some really he interesting He probably did stuff. the saxophone on, on the working hours then? Yeah. Because that's got saxophone and Mother's on Talk. It. Yep, that's him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nice. That's incredible. That That is incredible sax playing. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure it was him. I know he played it live for sure, but I'm pretty sure it was him on, on the records too. Anyway, I just thought it was a bit of fun, um, and as it's always fun to do these kind of things. In fact, um, what I'm going to do while uh, while we've got a natural pause is just bring in a little bit of uh, uh, a message from our friends over at Let's. Oh, I'll decide which one we'll do. We'll do um, Isotope first, I think. So uh, let's hear from. Uh, Charles Alexander. Isotope Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins, 
and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs, and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And of course, we also have uh, the, uh, you can save 10%, use the code SONIC10. If you go to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, uh, they made a special landing page just for us. Even has a phone there with the podcast on it. This very, it's not obviously this episode. So if you head there, you can save 10% off any Isotope plugin purchase. Uh, and that includes the deals as well. So even even if they're doing a kind of, you know, 50% off, you can get 10% off that 50% off as well. So we very much thank them support of the show and i think we're also going to have uh, they're going to be with us for a bit longer we just got them to uh, renew which is great um paulie you've gone very purple that's a really interesting effect i like it it's kind of it's cool it's I it, no it's idea playing, what's going on you've gone it playing. looks like an effect that's happened yeah it's well we'll, I, I, we'll roll with it we'll roll with it it really doesn't matter so, uh, okay so let's let's grab another topic um so uh now this uh yeah, let's go. Let's go in order. I quite often mess m mix things up, but I think we'll go in order. So uh, now, um, yeah, here we go. Yeah, as I often say, I won't play the whole thing, but uh, this was the news that the new uh, the Spitfire BBC Symphony Orchestra, which is recorded at Maida Vale, epic uh, um, sort of standard or orchestral library, the free version, which you used to have to kind of prove uh, that you're in education or you couldn't afford it, you had to wait maybe a couple of weeks to get the code. They've now just opened the doors, go, if you want it, come and get it. And I think this is a really key moment. And it's not just because... You know, you get free stuff. I downloaded it. It's about 300 megs. It's actually, you know, it's pretty... I, I like to think it's sort of Ooh. like a general MIDI orchestral plugin, And it's yes. it's it's perfectly adequate to, to create a full orchestral score, which you could then go up. But what is really interesting about it is it's going to standardise the use of, certainly in-the-box, orchestral score writing, and then the, have this path to be able to go up through. In fact, I've just done a piece with... Uh, uh, Louis uh, Rugg, who's one of the composers at Spitfire, that'll be out next week where we just talk a little bit about it. But this is, I think this is actually quite a big moment. I mean, it's a big moment when it was announced, but now that it's t totally free and available, I think this is a really big moment. Um, Carl, I don't know whether you're orchestrally, you know, lean that way, whether yes, you have libraries. I am. Of, uh, so ah, okay. for those who remember me, office hours, I did do the office hours second hour on how to mic and record an orchestra. So oh, in the cool. real, not, not to the extent that they did in with the BBC recordings. So the cool thing that I, they did over there at Spitfire was they had all mics live all the time. So you can choose after the after the fact, you know, do you want all the mics yeah. going? Do you want just the closed mics, the room mics? So this is something that apparently that wasn't available in these kind of orchestral, where there wasn't really an orchestral sound pack before. There was string sections and you had to bring them all together. Of course, you had to bring in sep yeah. separate ones. Um, I have this. I've downloaded this. It is quite amazing, especially in education. 
um, just one to teach the sections of the, you know the sections of an orchestra to what someone but also someone who's getting into composing so you can actually as you said it's, it's kind of like a super midi kind of library here that you can get with this and it's um it's quite good and now they talk about it in their video the um spitfire video that they did they do talk about introducing of this particular um, version of it the free version or the the education version as it used to be um they talk about doing trailers and i think this is really cool for doing trailers especially or youtube backing music and stuff like that because you can actually learn your chops on this kind of stuff really well and then when you're ready to step up to the core or the premium version you can pay and up you go yes yeah, uh, it's actually it's actually very cool. Some great comments in the chat room. I've got to put this. I've just tested orchestral. I'm orchestral curious, orchestral adjacent. I've just nice. tested orchestral positive, which I think is a yeah. nice pun. Um, I know that you're trained, uh, or at least uh, uh, certainly in jazz piano and stuff. I mean, I imagine yeah. orchestration is is something that you know a certain sure. amount about as well, Paulie. Right. So I was. Oh, this this is a good topic actually today because um, it's something that I think about a, a lot. Um, and there's a bee that's trying to sniff at me. Anyway, so they must think I'm a flower. So anyway, the um, I was I did a music composition degree. So with that, I actually got to uh, score for real orchestra, which was oh, really wow. cool. Took a lot of notation. I was there in uh, Sibelius for like hours. Um, you know, doing the parts. I did a, a couple of um, original ones, but I also did a cool arrangement of We're In This Together by Nine Inch Nails for orchestra, which which really, it's quite a heavy song, but it really sort of made it quite interesting on orchestra. It made it more tender almost. But I was thinking back when you when you suggested this topic to what I would have had in terms of uh, aping or using a synthetic orchestra because I was in university in 2001 to about 2003 um, and what was available wasn't much there were I used to knit three that was big for a long time yeah yeah I used to nick, because I was a struggling penniless student, I used to nick free sound fonts off the internet, which were kind of multi-sampled instruments. And then I remember the next step up was about early 2000s. Ederol Orchestral came out, um, which used a bunch of Roland's sample library, the, the ones that were on the JV orchestral boards and also some of the S760 library. They put in a plug-in. And that was actually really good for the time. Um, so, but compared to what we have now, and especially this free stuff, um, it's absolutely amazing. And I think, you know, people just coming into it now will learn a lot um, about orchestrating and uh, arrangement by using this stuff, just mess around. Um, I've got another good freebie pick, by the way, for free orchestral instruments. Oh, yeah, cool. Very lightweight orchestral instruments from a place that you wouldn't think. There's a sound font file, which you can load into Contact or wherever, and it's the instruments from a computer game called uh, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. And actually, if you load that sound font into Contact, there's some great strings, brass, brass kind of swells and stuff like that so um check that out as well you know it could uh potentially add more to this free you know this 300 megabyte freebie download 
Um, and yeah, and I think Ederol or Kestrel might be abandoned where now. I'm not sure. It's a grey area. It's, yeah, I don't so, know if Ederol exists in the audio world. I think it might exist still in no. video, possibly, but I'm not sure. To, Maybe. Oh, so know. that's that's a good plug-in as well. Um, you know, for very lightweight orchestras, but I'm really excited to see what people will do with this because it's, again, it's the democratization of music, isn't it? It's You don't need loads of money to get your ideas across anymore, you know, like yeah, it was well, in the... the 70s, 80s. One thing, one thing that's worth noticing that because I, I asked uh, Louis about this when we shot the video, which I say will be out next week, um, because in in a lot of the orchestral um, play engines, they're sort of mangling yeah. with the samples and creating kind of out of range instruments. So you play the yeah. violins three octaves too low, and you know you get some really interesting. Jello. Sure. You can't do that with this, but it has uh, each instance because with this you would plug, you would have each instance of the plug-in for each, um, uh, you know, each instrumental track it's not multi-timbral so but it's got a plus or minus i think he said plus or minus three octaves tuning range so you Beautiful. can do much the same thing which i think will actually mean that you can, you can, it can be abused yeah. a bit more yeah yes. exactly you can yeah. which i think is, is a good yeah, the, thing. the kind of the layers you can get to because yeah if, if you're yeah, using the same sample then you can actually tune it down and actually it gives you a more thicker cello if you can tune down a viola so even though it's technically just a, a viola being tuned down you actually get a larger cello section by by doubling them up by having two different timbres. Nice. In fact, I was going to say the uh, what's in this. You get uh, violins, violas, celli, basses, horns, trombones, trumpets, oboes, clarinets, bassoons. I think bassoons. Uh, harp, glockenspiel, marimba, and um, a snare and a few other things. I mean, it's basically. You need your timpani, of course. Yeah. And your timpani, yes, thank you very you much. I started, yeah. I started making the list, and then I realised I'd obviously something else. I, I probably saw, oh look, a butterfly or something. Yeah, I, I got distracted. <laughs> Squirrel. But there we go. That's the way it goes. <laughs> but thank, thanks for the, thanks for the save there, chaps. Uh, right. Um, okay. What else have we got? Uh, I think there's. Oh yeah, this this is actually pretty cool. Maybe what's the time? Yeah, Fifty three. Let's do this one. Uh, the, I, I apologise for the video. I was looking for a video for this for ages, and there isn't a video. There's just this sort mm. of like AI voice over thing that I could find on the internet. Maybe you saw the same thing. I'm going to play it, and uh, uh, apologies for this, but this is the... Uh... Waves announces Cloud MX Audio Mixer, broadcast-ready cloud-based audio mixer. Welcome to Music Gears, where we bring you the latest info on new music instruments, software, and other gear from around the world. In a very Waves characterful uh, delivery. Cloud MX Audio Mixer, a 100% cloud-based audio mixer with Waves sound quality for cloud broadcast environments. Cloud MX Audio Mixer. Right, I'll stop there. Uh, I mean, this is the, uh, if I'll, I'll sort of like try and pricey what what that uh, rather uh, monotonous uh, voiceover we're probably yes. going to get round to. Uh, essentially, what we have is a purely cloud-based. It's designed to be fired up in AWS or one of these things, and it's, it's I think it's designed for broadcast. So it's got 100% uh, mm -hmm. cloud-based audio solution, NDI compatible, which is a really useful digital video transport. Which for many people who are using these uh, cloud production for video, this is how you move your video around. 32-point floating-point mix engine, 96k sample rate, 64 stereo mono channels, uh, 44 bus return channels, monitor. I mean, like a ton of stuff. DCAs, cloud license channel. It comes in three flavors. And I thought this was a buyout, so I thought 750 would get you the basic one, a thousand would get you the next one. But this is per month, so it gives you an idea oh. of maybe the the level that they're aiming at. And I, I know this is maybe out of the context of what a lot of us are thinking, but 
bearing in mind that this technology will gradually filter down, and I think there's a Harrison uh, uh, product that's quite similar to this that's designed for mixing live, if I remember correctly. I'll come to Carl first, because I know, Carl, uh, you, talk to the, you talk a lot about this on officehours.global, which so, I yeah. thoroughly recommend everybody go. So from an officehours.global perspective, this would be a bit of a game changer for larger events. So essentially what you can do with this is you can put this mix, let's say... I'm going to use Live 8. So back in 2005, we had eight different concerts going around around the world, you know, one in London. Um, and then with those concerts, the way you had to do, you had to have essentially on-site and then they use satellites. Now we can actually do this via the cloud. We can actually do a broadcast level like Live 8 was, even though it was 17 years ago. But we can do something that kind of size where we can have bands in different countries and they can play out mm. to a single stream, to a single broadcast. But you would need to be able to mix them and you can't guarantee you can have your A1s in every venue. So if you've got an A1, but the thing is with this cloud technology, you can put a 64-channel mixer, each channel could be either mono or stereo, um, and you can put that into an AWS machine that's local. So in a new, you know, for New York, you'd find one that's on the East Coast of America. So therefore, the latency to the mixer is low. But from there, you can actually broadcast out. So what this is doing is handling the audio side. And then you use something like vMix, like what this show is currently going through, to handle the video side. They both take the exact same signal. So you send the same signal to vMix and to this audio mixer. vMix does have a mixing capability, but not like this mixer. And essentially, what you have in this mixer is the plugins. That's what Wave's doing. That's the price difference. Yeah. The only thing that differs is the plugins. So one, you get a handful of plugins. One, you get about a dozen plugins and then the fully featured one you get over 150 plugins and these can be stacked into i think a stack of eight per channel so you can have a stack of eight plugins in any order you want per channel so this is pretty powerful the only thing i couldn't figure out from the website and i think you can you can have multiple instances of this running around the world at the same time for your subscription so you, if you oh. have four bands in four different countries you can have four different aws servers running and then have the bands being fed into four different mixes and then have one main program mixer wherever your A1 is, and your A1 can control it with, you know, a H, you know, a hard controller or, or a MIDI controller. So you can actually have a hardware controller controlling it in the cloud. This is a pretty powerful thing for what Office Hours does and bigger things than Office Hours. Um, as far as from the music industry, it's pretty hard to sync musicians around the world. But if you're bringing in bands like Live 8 was, that's where this comes in pretty powerful. So effectively, what, you mean you're already bringing in, like... Uh a bus mix or a, a mix minus the vote so the, the stereo mix would be coming in it's more yes yeah, wouldn't bring in stage. all the individual yeah exactly no you'd bring the stems from think, the stage right okay i was trying to yeah, think how yeah. this could what this would mean in terms of you know for music production because i know we've been speaking with uh, sure. gpu audio in fact i'm going to do an interview with them uh this week or so and 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 they're talking about putting their gpu audio processing in the cloud as well and so that this that, i'm just wondering how this might actually be used in music production, I can't really think of a way at the moment. I suppose if you if if it's all coming from the same source, I suppose it makes sense. But if it's if it's disparate places, then the latency to bring them all together again would be almost yes. Almost yeah, impossible. the latency for a live music production is is kind of not the way, I guess, of saying it. But for live music from bands from different venues, where a band is all together in one venue and you're broadcasting out, um, so the Live Eight model that would be pretty beneficial for this kind of uh, technology in the cloud. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I thought I'd mention it though. I don't know if uh, Paulie, you have any uh, uh, any thoughts about this. I mean, it's 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 a bit outside sure. of our usual scope of. Uh, uh, it is. Could 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 it could one use of it be? You've got your mix. I don't know of whatever. Like my project, for instance, there's people in America. There's people in the UK. Could two mix engineers basically argue over the mixer to get like a final mix of a you know, a song or a video or something like that. Do you know what I mean? 
Would that um, be one use, bridging that international kind of... I suppose, but there's no. I mean, you could effectively just have a machine running, you know, a DAW and all the all the all the stuffs in the cloud, or you just share the files. I don't know that it would necessarily, yes. because there are there are things like Listen to, which allow you to be able to sort of attend a mix remotely, which sure. is really useful. I know a lot of uh, well, I know Yoad uses it loads. I know Chicky uses it loads. I guess that use that a lot. Uh, I don't know, Carl. Does that does that make sense? I mean, I suppose it would be more it if does, you have the files so up there. So yeah, you have, if you want to put the files up there and have like a, a mix session, so as far as like a, an actual mix session rather than doing live broadcast, it, it could be done. Um, it allows yeah. four different um, controllers to go up at once to control it. So you, in theory, you can have four different mixes. Um, the other way that this would kind of, another way you could actually look at this, you can actually remote into hardware as well. So you could remote into like a Yamaha mixer and actually do it yeah. that way. This is generally used in live production. That's the way it's done now. So you have to actually bring all those stems digitally down to a physical location somewhere in the world, mix them in a yeah. digital mixer and then pump them back out. With this way, you don't have to do that. You can actually leave them up in the cloud where your NDI is already, mix them in yes. the cloud. And then from cloud, of course, from Amazon's web servers, you can actually broadcast out to all your different platforms you wish, you know, so, and it, it's not about latency when you're coming down to broadcast because broadcast can be 10 mm. seconds behind. No one will ever notice. Um, what it has to do with is about, about having A1s being able to come in from anywhere. So you can get the best A1 regardless of where they are. You don't have to fly. What do you call, what do you call A, you A1? Sorry, what's an A1? Audio so, A1 is, so in a live production and broadcast or a live show, your A1 is your audio one, number one. So that is the head of department for audio mixing. So essentially your A1 is a control of the board. So you have an A2, A2 sometimes essentially fixes the mics on stage, um, maybe running the monitor mix, you may have a different monitor, but the A1 is essentially the, the, the person who's in charge of the mix for the broadcast or the live show. Right, gotcha, gotcha, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's a different world. I mean, that sort of pricing, I mean, does that seem realistic? I mean, even for broadcast, that yes. seems like an awful, an awful lot. It Very much, that's, that's exactly the right price it should be. One, because right. what you're paying for is, is the, they talk about their engine, but it's actually a package yeah. deal because you're getting the plugins. So you're actually, it's actually a subscription to the plugins. That's really what you're paying for. But yeah. the fact that it runs on AWS and it's designed for AWS, and if you can do multiple instances around the world simultaneously, then that's $750 a month or you know $1,500 a month if you want all the plugins is a very low price for the type of organizations that are doing these kind of broadcasts a lot. I suppose I, I was sort of expecting to see sort of uh, AU or VST support in there as well, so you could run other stuff, which I suppose you could do given you could run mm. one of these. I mean, I think the difficulty is, is bringing in uh, um, NDI feeds and that sort of stuff into a regular DAW. So, so you could. You just run a separate engine in AWS that runs your AU or VSTs and then link them in, make them a stem that comes in one of the 64 inputs of this particular mixer. So it'd just be a mixer into another mixer, I guess. That's an easy way of saying how to do that. It, it is an interesting, yeah, so latency, you wouldn't be able to mix a band remotely where all the members of the band are separate. So that's something that we haven't achieved yet because of just the latency of the internet and physics, you know, getting a signal around the world. But the idea of being able to mix a show with bands in different locations, um, mm. this brings it one step closer to making it a lot easier because it handles the audio streams from NDI. So you just, because NDI can handle, you know, eight or 16 channels of audio. And that will be the, the audio NDI and the stream. video will be synced together already. Synced so in, yep. Is there a limit right, to the so number of channels, audio channels you can have in an NDI stream? Is it just stereo or can you have multiple like you can? No, so it's 16, so 16 oh, channels. Okay. So it's so the same it's, as SDI. Viable, you could bring in 16 channels from 
a live venue and they would all arrive at the same time so there wouldn't be any latency between per camera. the microphones per camera Sorry. so per, per per camera you can bring in 16 channels so you'd be doing your you actually would be cutting the show in the cloud so you'd be setting up all your cameras and then in your camera feed so in each of those ndi feeds which has video and audio you can actually just put the stems in there so you could put the drums down to maybe four tracks instead of you know 14. so that would be a smart thing to do but you know you could have essentially a stereo mix for the effects for each of the instruments on stage so you'd still be probably bringing in 16 to 32 channels per stage but you're not bringing you know mm. but that may be 64 microphones total for the entire stage interesting anyway i just thought i'd mention it even though it seems a little bit out of uh, out of our world um i should probably uh, just have a, a message from our friends over at baby audio as well because uh, uh, sponsors off the show so here we go Right, Baby Audio makes creative effects plugins designed to add colour and depth to your mixes. They won Plugin of the Year 2021 in Future Music and Computer Music Magazine, magazine nominated for the SOS Awards two years in a row. Uh, why not try Smooth Operator, for instance, a resonance, suppression, equalisation, and compression plugin hybrid that automatically eliminates res resonances and muddinesses? Uh, allows you to shape your track's tonal response while the plugin automatically eliminates resonances in the background. Get 15% off when checking out with the code ST15 at babyaudio.com. Once again, we thank them for their support. Thanks very much indeed. Okay, uh, let's see. We probably have uh, uh, got a little bit of time. Let me find the next one along. Um, okay. Well, let's try. Actually, we'll go to this one because I think this is. I, again, I don't have video for this, but I do have. Uh, uh, I do have a web page, I believe. Let's see if I can load it up. Hopefully, it will. Go on then. Any mood controller? Okay, it's supposed to. There it is. Yes, this Kickstarter. This is a hardware mini Moog synthesizer. Actually, what's interesting about this is it'll work with. Kind of, the idea is is that they're, they're, they're going to create. Uh, a piece of hardware that will work with any in any Moog Mini Moog style uh, plugin. So that would be a variety of things. It could be something from Native Instruments Monarch. It could be GeForce Mini Monster. It could be I, I don't know there are others as well. There's something from Cherry Audio, I'm sure. So, but it breaks it. What it does is it kind of creates this idea about. Um, a universal MIDI controller, which I'm still, I, I still think, you know, it's the holy grail of how we do this. But because so many synths are sure. different, it's very difficult to do this. I, this, this is the company Delta MIDI. They announced this first public project. Uh, it's going to be round about 155 to uh, 200 euros, depending on what point you buy in. Uh, it, they're currently, well, they've gone up a little bit. Actually, it was at 5662, although that is in UK pounds. 22 days left, they're trying to raise 16,000 euros, which isn't a massive amount. And I'm guessing if you use a lot of minis in your productions, this could be the thing that you reach for. And I know that these kind of common hardware controllers, very key, we have a lot of people who use the SoftTube um, uh, uh, control service and the channel strips, and they find it really helps them work. But with synthesizers, it's really hard because everything's so different. And I wondered whether or not either of you uh, had a controller that you go for or whether you tend to stick on the screen. Do you I have do. A, like, a synth so with lots of controls? Hmm. Uh, Paul? Kind of soft synth-wise, you mean? Yeah. Well, it could control um, hardware. It doesn't really make any difference, I suppose. Yeah. To, to be honest, with soft synths, I just kind of generally... I do mouse clicky-clicky on soft right. synths mainly. I kind of keep controllers for my hardware. Um that said, I think 
if you're making a universal controller for soft synths, I think something like the System 8 would be a good idea because, you know, it can blank out bits of um, knobs which aren't in use, don't do anything. Something like that might be useful on a sort of generic soft sync controller. So if you are controlling a three oscillator synth, everything's there. If you're controlling a synth with only two oscillators, one of them blanks out. It'd have to be clever and people would have to kind of, uh, manufacturers would have to kind of work together. But, you know, potentially. Well, there's, yeah, there's the rub, I suppose. It's interesting. I mean, I, it, it, I don't know. I, I've always thought that the uh, the Studio Logic Sledge was a good one because it's big. It's got lots yeah. of uh, space between the controls. It's not. I mean, it's not cheap, but it, I mean, it's cheap for what it is. But it's not amazingly expensive. But it's also got three oscillators, and I think it's got three envelopes. So that gives you a lot more capabilities. But because there's so many different kinds of oscillators now, they're not all they're not, not all regular kind of waveform switchy ones. It's like, how do you actually get? I mean, there must be a way. I, I always I, I always wondered. Carl, whether or not maybe a um, a combination of maybe um, a combination of touchscreen and physical control, so that you kind of touch the control you want, and then you reach, so you turn it, or you have multiple hits where you go these three, and then that would control. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's got to be a way for it to be done, even though it's it, it doesn't seem to have been found yet. So I've got a fader fox. So for people who, right. who know Fader Fox, yeah, so, and I've got the the EC4, the one with the little LCD screen, and, you know, so it's it's got 4,000, essentially it's got 4,000 knobs on it when you page through. Um, well, it's actually 8,000 when you actually include, because each knob is also a button, so you can use it as a rotary or, or a button. Um, I also use my Roland Sense. All the Roland Sense will transmit um, MIDI as well. So as you said, System 8, Paulie, would be a good one. Um, I can do it with my Jupiter X. Um, so that that is one you can do. There is something like... Like the actual display that we're seeing here from this Kickstarter, um, the SEO2 can do it. So Roland's SEO2 Boutique does this already. So the SEO2 transmits every knob function on their bar one. The only one that doesn't transmit is a tuning. The tuning is not controllable via MIDI, in or out. So that's only the only knob on there that's actually fully analog is the actual tuning of the entire synth, SEO2. But you can actually use the SEO2 as to transmit all the MIDI functions, all the switches, and they do map directly, of course, to to a Moog because SEO2 is of course a uh, an evolution on an evolution of a Moog. So I, think the I also have the Roland the, the Roland A series, so the A800 Pro, which has the nine rotary encoders, the nine faders, all the buttons. So this is Roland's own MIDI um, controller, um, which also has system exclusive, so you can also program a D50. I think the big problem with this is, you know, it's the translation layer, isn't it? It's like what sits in between. Everybody's had tried to have a go at that. We've got, uh, you know, the yeah. Native Instruments Complete Control and the NI, NKS, uh, which is, I guess, closer to it, but that's more of a macro-based assignable thing. Mm. There's Nectar. Uh, there are a number of ways, but it's, it's how, you know, I wonder if MIDI 2.0 is going to allow for a bit more of that stuff that, so the translation layer can be a bit smarter and a bit more clear. Yes clued up so that we don't have because i often find you know what i'm doing is i'm spending so much time programming the thing to respond yeah. to everything i know yoad's big on this he does like all these amazing kind of uh, environments and logic so everything is right there but it takes days you know sometimes and you, you yeah. that's yeah. days that you're not actually doing i don't know do you the, well like sorry go carl sorry i was just going to say that if i was going to tell someone like if you want a controller that controls any any soft synth or even hardware synth the no novation launch control excel 
So you've got so that would it's half the price of this. But yes, as you said, Nick, you do have to program it. So you have to program all your CCs in. But it's a only have to program it once, and then off you go. You um, that's and you can actually get these presets downloaded from the internet because that allows that. So you can actually upload a preset or actually upload a, a CSX file into that particular hardware as well. Didn't so that, you, someone's already done it for you. You can check. Yeah. So it's pretty didn't cool. That the, you, the but didn't that use some kind of? Didn't that use some kind of innovation? A protocol that needed a different wrapper for each plugin or a different version, mm. or was that something previous? No, so it's just CC. No, it's a CSX ah, file CC, okay. so you can actually share them on the internet. So the launch control is very like I think it's like about 150 euros, 150 pounds. So it's it's a pretty good price considering what what we got here. But you are right; it's not predetermined to a particular sense. You do have to program, but you can find them. The other option to go would be like a Fader Fox. So if you if you Google yes. Photofox, you will see these you know these these crazy controllers that adjust all buttons. But again, they have to be programmed as well to find like as you said like there are a few native instruments does have their software hardware integration where you simply just you know pull down the the preset for that particular soft synth and it just loads it in. Um, the same of course with uh, the Roland Cloud with the System Eight does the same thing as Paulie said. So this is I'm just trying to remember there was, a, yeah, there was a cool. big, there was a touchscreen thing, wasn't there, Paulie, that we, we probably talked on Sonic Tool. It's a big touchscreen controller which had knobs down the side and so you could build it. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Perhaps the chat room uh, will we'll be able to uh, throw that in there. But that's probably worth a mention and I think that that was a smaller cool. manufacturer and I think there was, you know, they, they, they just can't make enough of them. So it's just finding the right thing. It's, it is, it, it's, it's still just not there yet. No. That's, I mean, as I said, I'm all, all right because when I'm using soft synths, I go into very specific software synth mode and I just click through in my mouse. But I know that that's such an inspiration kill for so many people, you know, because it, well, it's multiple controls at the feels, same time, isn't it? That's what. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. And it also makes them feel like they're checking their emails, you know, rather than composing, doing something tactile. So I definitely feel. It's an area that needs, you know, some thought behind it. Um, the most impressive one I ever saw was the Imposca 2 yeah, controller. That, yeah. that was a piece of hardware, wasn't it? Well, that was Kent but, Spong, and I've forgotten the name of the other chap who did it. And they, they built this thing. It was a beautiful thing. It was like the Oscar. Beautiful. They went along with the G. And I, I did the kind of the really... Uh, and when you're working with something that that, that's that tightly integrated, the computer becomes irrelevant because you're literally just kind of going, okay, yes. I'm playing with a synth. And there's there's no discernible difference. But it's, you sort of need the UI to adapt to to the synth that you're using for it to be fully, for the, for you to suspend, suspend your disbelief long enough. That's, yeah, that's I'll true. Because the iPad did try to do this back in the day as well. They, they tried to yeah. do this with, the, as you said, touchscreen with the iPad because the iPad can be whatever you want. And so you can load up essentially a preset and a yes. preset will show you. Um, and Roland did this with the um, Integra 7. So to control the Integra 7, they have an iPad app, which was also used for the Jupiter yeah. 80 back in the day, same iPad app. Um, and so they did the exact same thing where they had a MIDI controller all via that. But I've, I bought the, um, the Behringer Boutique D05, so the D50 inspiration. And of course, it is essentially a D50 inside as far as its MIDI signaling. And so I just went out and yeah. bought a PG1000. So from 1989. Amazing. So I own a PG-1000, which costs more than the D-05 to yes. control the D-05. So, yeah. The 1000 also controls the V-Synth version, which is interesting. It's just someone there was really thinking about it. Um, now, about three or four years ago, I saw some technology, which was buttons rising up out of the controller. I don't know if you ever remember mm. seeing the, these, but there was a startup 
and it was literally a it was a keyboard with a flat surface and then as you as like these little buttons rose up i guess it was some kind of gel kind of you know um material that that had enough ease to let these buttons rise out of it it was quite interesting but um uh, and the other one i saw once was a company that had knobs on little suckers yeah, I remember that. Yeah. them on your touchscreen. So I think something like that might be might be coming. Well, I wonder in the if they, I wonder I wonder if they're better because I remember we looked at those uh, when we used to do the Sonic Touch program, and and it yeah. seemed like a really good idea um, to a degree, but it just wasn't yeah. accurate enough, and the pickup wasn't no. quite right because it needed. I don't know what it, it must have had to have some kind of little capacitive sort of thing that was just knew where it was on the screen. Uh, so yeah, yes. it didn't work. there's got to be there's got to be a way though. But uh, um, yeah. Well, uh, uh, I just it, wanted to say, is... oh, well, well, oh, that's right. you, you, you carry on while I, I'll plug this in and then we can. So all I, what I was going to say is there is kind of, there are compromises out there. As you said, there are companies that make the hardware and software. So um, Arturia yeah. is another one. So the yeah. Arturia, yeah. So Arturia, there are companies that are doing it, but unfortunately they, they're not cross, you know, pollination yeah. between the companies, unfortunately. And it's again, but there it's are ma- companies that Mac- do make hardware and software. It's sort of software. macro as well, isn't it? Macro-based. Yeah. Yes. It, it is a macro. Well, generally it is macro or system exclusives. And the amount of, mm. like, I own the Roland, um, yeah, as I said, the A800 Pro keyboard, and that has the ability to program system exclusive. You won't find the ability to program system exclusive in any modern controller anymore, except for Roland, essentially. Even Behringer have taken it out of theirs. Behringer used to have one back in the day, 15 years ago, not anymore, though. Yeah, well, none of us like to work with Hex, really, these days, do we? It's a, it's a dying art, and I'm, 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 sorry, <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest. I remember a three-character display, a two-character display on an Ensoric Mirage with the, uh, yes. the, the, the Mirage Advanced Sampling Operating System, now and with the book This Thing. Massos. Hex. Yeah, no, thank you. Did you Don't ever um, have the sound processors, OS, sorry, for... Um... Sound processor S for Mirage. It was even more complex because no. it turned it into a two oscillator synth. So it was. I've looked at the manual. It it makes the the regular OS look like child's play. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. I mean, I, I guess no it's, it's it's pretty easy to kind of real time convert between hex and uh, regular numbers these days. But still, sure. you've got to think. I mean, I remember programming. You know, the right strings because. One thing that used to happen with with SysX that was very useful, and this happens with Roland since now, is you can usually press a button. I think on some of the boutiques, I think uh, where you press a button and it would just fire all of the current knob values as a list of set uh, of CCs with their current values. So you could use those as a memory would effectively just be a dump of CC five yep. at seventy two CC, and that's how they're doing it now. But you only get one hundred and twenty, and if you're going to start messing with that, you'd need CCs to bleed onto additional MIDI channels and then it would start to get yes. really difficult to, to, to kind of you know, keep track of. Right? Talking of old things, I got this book this week for about oh, two wow. quid. It's called The Usborne Introduction to Keyboards and Computer Music. And if you want a nice nostalgic read, it's available on archive.org. But I was interested in seeing how much uh, stuff is actually still relevant today. You know, it teaches you about sampling, samplers. Uh, and it has these little kind of cool pictures in. And it also kind of teaches you about um, MIDI, how to MIDI up instruments. 
Yeah, media hasn't changed. That's always useful. Yeah. <laughs> People don't get that. So, That's yeah. one of the hardest well, concepts to grasp, I think, uh, initially. Uh, as I said before, I've got a child on the way in September. So I think this is going to be one of their first, <laughs> when they're old <laughs> enough, reading, you know, materials. <laughs> get them hooked on synths. You know what I mean? Bedtime stories, because it's got cartoons in it. Bedtime isn't it? stories. Has it got any, it's got it got any kind of Microsoft type uh, paperclip characters in it that you could introduce as a sort of. <laughs> there, are, there are little robots. I don't know if you can see. The like oh. the little robots. Oh, that's nice. Oh, lovely. Yeah, Just, yeah, yeah. A paperclip that comes up. I see you're trying to mini merge. Would you like some help with that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, there's, I think there's a word. The there's a word that I would use uh, in response to that, and it begins with F. So probably, um, probably not. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, well, there's, there's a whole. I mean, that the kind of AI can I help you, uh, which was, I suppose, an early example of it. Um, not very well implemented and, and slightly insensitive no. to the needs of the user, perhaps. But there's room for. There's a lot more of that stuff going on now. So you know, I'm sure it's going. It's going to come. Uh, this feels like a pretty good time that to uh, to halt proceedings. I know, uh, Paulie, you've got to head off. Uh, lovely to have you on. Um, so just to plug plug your YouTube channel again because I didn't get the link in before uh, before you came on. And it's so it's called Miss Music Magical Synth Adventure. Okay, and that's live now, and you've got some videos going up there soon, right? Yeah. So I've got my my channel promo on there now, as you can see. Magical Synth Adventure. All right, I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but I'm currently working on um, episode one, but I thought it might be nice to have a few subscribers before I actually post the video because it gives <laughs> me more motivation to, you know, make the video quickly and to a high quality. That's a good idea. If there's idea. people waiting, you know, stamping their feet. Yeah, no, I, I can totally, I can totally uh, understand that. And Carl, of course, have you just done a, um, a uh, uh, an office hours show before this? That's one? right, twenty four hours right? ago. So pretty much twenty four hours ago, right now was I did my last. I usually do one a week because for me it's about one a.m. when I do the show. So, but by doing it once a week, um, I do it on Tuesday US time, so it'd be Wednesday morning Australian time. Um, but generally, by coming on once a week, and I come on the audio day. So Tuesday for Office Hours Global is the audio day. That's where you'll find me, and occasionally you'll find Nick as well. Um, and essentially what we do is we, we take questions from all around the world live for two hours every single day of the year on pretty much anything to do with media, media production. And as I said, we do have an audio day, which is Tuesday, which we just have a panelist like that has a lot of audio experience, either in broadcast, uh, my, me and myself, a little bit more in re recording and synthesizers, that kind of stuff. Um, and then you can ask us any question, any question that comes to your mind, and we'll answer it as a panel live. So you'll get multiple answers from multiple panelists. So you won't just get the one it, answer. It's, a, um, it's quite, it's, it's an addictive process, isn't it? I, I mean, I've been on there. I, I post occasionally when I'm thinking, oh, I need to find something out. And it's not, I mean, there are synthesizer uh, questions. I know Douglas Carmichael, who's a regular poster there, he often sort of says, should I take my D50 or my whatever? You know, the, and so there's, they, they do creep in, so, but it's, it's well, if you go to officehours.global, because there's, there's all sorts of Zoom elements to it as well after hours, it's a, it's a fascinating and really helpful resource. And I've, I'm glad to have been part of it a few times. And I'm hoping, uh, hoping, Carl, that you aren't going to be tarred with the, uh, the technical, technical uh, expertise of my production when it comes back to your office. Well, I think this has gone, gone fairly smooth. It's gone pretty smooth, hasn't it? I think I, it, even, even if I say so. And, and this just me. So, you know, the, there we go. I always, it always right. amused me when I was, uh, when I was involved in the, because I came onto the NAM live stream, um, how many people were making it work. And it was just like, wow, this seems Yeah, so behind the scenes. 
Yeah, that's right. So behind the scenes, there's usually about a dozen people behind the scenes on every given day that are actually just running the show behind the scenes, and they're all over the world. So our audio mixer may be in Belfast, and we'll have people in the San Francisco Bay Area, we'll have people in the East Coast of America, and you have people here in Australia as well who are actually creating the show behind the scenes who you don't see. And then on the show, you'll have the panellists, which may be a dozen or two dozen people on the actual yes. show itself answering the questions, and it all just runs. Have you done a making of video on how you do it all? Yep, we do. Because that would be interesting. So, that's, so generally our Sunday show is more introspective questions. So people can ask on Sundays introspective questions on how we do it. So if they want to run their own show, like Nick himself. So Nick wants to find out how to do vMix in the cloud. You can come in. We actually do have – and every show, of course, is on the internet. So you can go back and watch every show on YouTube. Um, but we also have after hours. So for the – essentially the office hours runs for two to three hours every day. For the other 21 hours yeah. of the day, we have what's called after hours, which means you can pop in any time and ask questions to whoever's there as well. So essentially, it's twenty-four hours a day. That's incredible. Yeah, it's that's good. Yes, amazing. The show every day as well. Anyway, that's enough free pluggering for your show. This is my show, and I should be t <laughs> telling you what's happening on Sonic State. So, what have we got coming up on Sonic State? Yeah, I've got. I have got a Volker um, FM Mark II, which I was going to play around with. Uh, I've also got. Uh, we published the uh, JP4 uh, sounds only demo from Jim, which I thoroughly recommend. Some great stuff in there. Uh, we've got a rig rundown from. There was a gig in Brighton a couple of weeks ago. Rig rundown with Matt Hodson for his live rig. That's coming up, and also another one with Steve Davis, who played there as well with his band. So uh, they're all coming in down down the wire. Uh, we'll be with you soon. So that's it for this week, though. Uh, thank you. Uh, for joining us you two and uh, we'll see you all next time take care everybody that was sonic talk episode 720 take it easy bye bye